2: Welcome back to the Exxon. Rob McConnell here. The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, exclusively on the Talkstar Radio Network and on Exxon TV and Shortwave. Our toll-free number is 1-877-528-8255. My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. You can chat with me live in our studios in Hamilton on MSN Messenger by using the MSN address, TalkStarRadio at Hotmail.com, and our two websites, www.exzoneradio.com and com where you can watch and listen to the show live. My guest this hour is Kevin Randall. He was born in Cheyenne, Wyoming, grew up in Denver, Colorado, and entered the Army in Texas. He learned to fly helicopters, had a tour in Vietnam as a helicopter pilot, and left active duty for college. He attended the University of Iowa and, upon graduation, was commissioned into the Air Force Reserve. Kevin spent most of his Air Force career as an intelligence officer. In 1986, he was released into the inactive reserve. Kevin became interested in UFOs as a teenager and continued his studies after joining the Army. He served as a field investigator for APRO, one of the first to investigate cattle mutilations, and was the first to report an alien abduction from inside a home. His most important work has been in the Roswell UFO crash. With uh, Don Schmidt, he wrote the book UFO Crash at Roswell and The Truth About the UFO Crash at Roswell. He has also written the Roswell Encyclopedia. His other books included Project Blue Book Exposed, A History of UFO Crashes, Scientific Ufology, and The Abduction Enigma. Kevin Randall has appeared on numerous TV programs and many documentaries, and even appeared briefly, if you knew where to look, in the Showtime original movie, Roswell. In the last few years, he has been serving as an officer in the National Guard, which includes a tour in Iraq. And, Kevin Randall, thank you very much for joining us tonight.
3: I'm certainly glad to have the opportunity.
2: Kevin, um, as you're aware, there's, there has been this sighting of a UFO in texas in stephenville and um you sir are one of the credible ufo investigators that that i believe we have in the field today and i was wondering if i could get your opinion your comments and your observations on that ufo sighting
3: well first i think what we ought to point out is when i was in flight school we were based at a mineral wells texas and one of our cross-country flights exercises was to the stephenville airport Mm-hmm. I've actually flown into there in a military aircraft, but that was many, many years ago. I also know that there's uh, flight corridors, military flight corridors that that uh, go over un- unpopulated areas so that the military jet aircraft can practice their maneuvers and practice things that they have to practice to become proficient in what they do. Mm-hmm. And one of those corridors is somewhat near Stevensville, but not all that close. So we have military aircraft in the area, which is a long-winded way of saying that the people in the area are going to be familiar with military aircraft. So we look at the UFO sightings and what the people said. The Air Force first explanation was, well, it was a couple of airliners reflecting sunlight. Mm-hmm. They had no military aircraft in the area. And then they decided that, well, yeah, we did have military aircraft in the area. What we see from this is that there's absolutely no institutional memory by the military. They don't look at what's going on in the past, meaning other explanations for UFO sightings. They keep changing their mind, and it just makes them look incompetent. So we have a series of credible sightings in the Stevensville area made by people who have experience as pilots. There's some very, very experienced pilots who made the sightings. A lot of people in the area who are familiar with military aircraft, and yet were supposed to believe that there was something so unusual about this particular set of sightings that they uh, the aircraft that they couldn't identify them for what they really were
2: Kevin please stand by I have to take a two minute commercial break Kevin Randall's our very special guest his uh, blog is blogspot.com. that's www.kevinrandallatblogspot.com Kevin Randall and I will return on the other side of this uh, commercial break as the Exxon continues right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. If you'd like to give us a call and speak to Kevin Randall, 1-877-528-8255. It's been a long time.
1: We all have that friend who wakes
4: up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal. Single item at regular price.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today.
2: our special guest and uh, Kevin um, all right so this this UFO with that was seen by a handful of people in Stevenville uh, the military or the Air Force at first said it was a group of commercial airliners or two commercial airliners that were passing in and it was the reflection and and then they made an about face and they said it was a military exercise of uh, a number of f-16s and it seemed that only this, Reversal was made after so many people um, were interviewed by the media, and they described seeing F-16s chasing this object.
3: That's absolutely correct. Uh, Ken Cherry, who is the MUFON director there in Texas, Mm -hmm. pointed out that that, that's what he he believes to be the truth, that after these people in the area said that they'd seen F-16s pursuing these lights, that the Air Force said, well, yes, we did have some F-16s working in the area, and you've had a long day. Uh, but he also, what was important about that is mm-hmm. the uh, Stevensville is close to the Bush Ranch in Crawfordsville, and that the Air Force job is to investigate UFOs, meaning if there's something in the air that is unidentified, it's not where it's supposed to be. The Air Force has a mission to intercept that, to identify it. Not the same thing as investigating UFOs going out and talking to the witnesses. But right. they're, required, they're required to intercept things in the airspace that, that are unidentified. So the Air Force is saying, well, we don't do that, except they do do that. And they're saying that we had nothing in the area, except they did, it, did have something in the area, and they, and they reversed themselves. So what we have is the same sort of thing that's been happening since almost the very beginning of the UFO phenomena, which is the Air Force or the Army Air Forces at the time, mm-hmm. saying, we don't do this stuff, and yet they're out there They're out there doing that, and the record shows that they've done it. They've made the same sorts of statements when we had the Phoenix Lights back in 1997. The Air Force said, no, there were no military aircraft in the area. They weren't involved in this. And then they came out and said, oh, yes, there was a, a Air Guard unit from Maryland dropping flares over Phoenix that we forgot about or we didn't know about. So they've reversed themselves on this quite a number of times, and it seems to me... But the, the intelligent thing for the Air Force to do is provide or, or educate somebody who would become their spokesman in a UFO-oriented event to tell people, well, here's what we're doing to look into this to see what it is, so they don't keep reversing themselves and making themselves look look incompetent.
2: Wasn't there also a number of reports that were put out when, a, when uh, the Air Force uh, re, uh, reopened or they issued a secondary report on the, what happened at Roswell?
3: the Air Force originally came out and said they had a flying saucer. Mm-hmm. Then they came out and said, no, no, it's a weather balloon. These, these guys in Roswell, the, the number one atomic strike force, the only atomic strike force in the world at the time, were so incompetent they couldn't identify with a weather balloon when they saw when it. They then as more interest was generated in the Roswell case, they Air Force reinvestigated and said, well, it wasn't a weather balloon, but what it really was was a uh, weather balloon and this time it was the top-secret top, top Project Mogul balloon, implying there was something special about the Mogul balloons, but there was, wasn't was anything special about them. They were off-the-shelf weather balloons. The only difference was the balloons were strung together so you had an array of balloons. Instead of just one balloon, you had a bunch of them. Project Mogul was highly classified. The purpose of it was classified, but the equipment was not. So it was so unimportant that... that a few days after the Roswell case, the Air Force published pictures of one of the balloon launches, the Mogul balloon launches, at Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, New Mexico. So we, we see this history of the Air Force saying one thing, changing their mind and saying something else, and we can look at it time and time again. When Thomas Mantell was killed chasing a skyhook balloon in 1948, the Air Force said originally that it was the planet Venus. Then they decided, no, it wasn't the planet Venus, it was a balloon. Then they decided it was two balloons in the planet Venus. And what it really was was the Skyhook balloon, which was a uh, Navy cosmic ray balloon that was made out of polyethylene, and it got to huge size and would, would get up to 80,000, 90,000 feet in the atmosphere so you could see it over a wide area. But the Air Force was so invested in explaining what happened to Mantell, they lost sight of what they were supposed to be doing, which was investigating the case to find out why the guy died. It was, it was, it was a tragedy that Mantell was killed, but the point is the Air Force made any number of investigations or explanations for it and kept reversing themselves. In fact, just before Life magazine published a big article on UFOs in uh, the 1950s, they called the Air Force and said, okay, we're talking about Mantell. You guys say it was Venus, and the Air Force said, yeah, that's, a, that's our final explanation, and right after the publication of the article, the Air Force came out and came up with the balloon explanation. So they have a history of doing this, changing their minds. And all they really need to do is investigate the case and be honest with what they're finding.
2: What do you, what do you think they're actually finding, Kevin?
3: I think there's there's a number of things going on here. And, and one of the things is, I think with the Roswell case, what happened there was they learned the answer early on. And... They were sort of unhinged by this answer, and they kept it hidden. So there was a small group of people who knew the truth, and there was a larger group of people who were out there supposedly searching for the truth, unaware of what had happened at Roswell. So you have people like Ed Ruppelt, who in the early 1950s was the chief of Project Blue Book, the Air Force investigation, doing a real job trying to learn something. And then you have a larger group of people who took over after Ruppelt, whose job it was to explain UFOs, regardless of what the situation really was. So you've got that going on, but the Air Force has never gotten together to coordinate this whole thing so they could say, they would have someone who would say, yes, we're looking into this, we'll let you know as soon as we have an explanation. So they wouldn't end up saying one thing on one day and having somebody else say something else a day or two later. They would coordinate the effort which is what I mean by not having an institutional memory, so we get the same sorts of mistakes made over and over again by the Air Force.
2: Sounds like they need a course in uh, PR.
3: Yes, I, I think that that's exactly what they need. And they, they at one time were doing that. Back in the early 1950s, they had a, a UFO desk at the Pentagon, and mm-hmm. Al Chop, who was a civilian, was actually running that sort of thing, and he was responsible for putting out the press releases about UFOs. The stuff didn't come from Blue Book. In Ohio or from uh, other military entities in the Pentagon, it came through this UFO desk, and and they discontinued that. So what we end up with is this idea, even if the Air Force is being completely honest about how things were going on in the Stevensville area, they begin to look incompetent because they keep changing their mind. And All they really need to do is take a step back, take a deep breath, and look at the information and then say, okay, here's what we know now.
2: Kevin Randall's our special guest. His website is www.kevinrandallatblogspot.com Kevin, uh, I was watching some of the uh, video that somebody took of this this object in the night sky on January the 8th, and one thing that struck me very funny, it had top and bottom navigational uh, lights going on and off. And... Is this normal for a UFO to have the same navigational light configuration uh, that an aircraft would have?
3: Bill Clash used to say that if you wanted, if the UFOs wanted to hide in our atmosphere, turn off the damn lights. Yeah. Which is a good point. But another way to hide is put the navigational lights on, and an awful lot of times there are people who see things and aren't aware of all the lights that are on aircraft, and sometimes they're fooled. Now, looking at this stuff, there's a fellow named James Fox who is responsible for some of the video footage or has been investigating it, it. and he has said that that an awful lot of the pictures and some of the other footage that that he has seen clearly is is explainable, but there is one piece of video footage that is currently undergoing investigation or continued investigation, which is the way things should be. If Mm -hmm. you've got it identified, you know what it is, you tell the people what it is, and if you're pro-UFO and it shows to be a mundane object, you tell them anyway. If you're the military or someone who wants to hide information about UFOs and you've got a good explanation, you put it out there. But, uh, and, and you continue to do the research until you find out answers for everything rather than uh, the rush to judgment that we see too often in UFO investigations. And I think the, the uh, MUFON group in Texas, is doing that. They're answering the questions as they're put to them by the media, and they're also making it clear that it's an ongoing investigation. They're talking to the witnesses. They're looking at the photographs that have been submitted. They're looking at the videos. And as I understand it, right now, this James Fox has one video, and he's a a, a filmmaker, a documentarian, who uh, he did he got, out of the
2: he did out of the blue, didn't
3: he? Yes. Yeah. And and there's one one video footage that he's intrigued by. So what we need to do is take a step back and say, well, let's take a look at that and see if it does show anything unusual, mm-hmm. or or can we explain it? The the thing that the thing that is frightening in today's environment, any kid with a computer and a digital camera can make a whale of a fine um, faked uh, yes CGI. It's yeah movie movie of, of a UFO or a mm-hmm. picture of a UFO. Back in the early 50s when we got some of the, the first movies and some of the best evidence that we, that we retrieved, the Montana film uh, taken in 1950 and the and Utah film taken in 1952, those capabilities didn't exist. So that's why those things are kind of more exciting for UFO researchers, because the technology didn't exist. But today anybody can make a, just a, a very good-looking fake UFO film, and there's really no way, way to, to be certain that it hasn't been faked. But I think Fox deserves some um, credit for, for taking a good look at this stuff to see if he can determine whether or not it has been faked.
2: Kevin Randall is our special guest. Please stand by. Kevin, you and I have to take a commercial break at the bottom of the hour. If you would like to give us a call, our toll-free number is 1-877-528-8255. That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 877 528 8255-Kevin wrote with Don Schmidt, UFO Crash at Roswell, and the truth about the UFO crash at Roswell. He has also written the Roswell Encyclopedia. His other books included Project Blue Book Exposed, A History of UFO Crashes, Scientific Ufology, and The Abduction Enigma. And Kevin Randall and I will return on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues. We're right here, live and around the world, on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Exclusively on the Talk Star Radio Network and on Exxon TV and Shortwave. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Exxon Nation, don't go away.
1: Always wanted to play the guitar? With the Victor Lee Guitar Method, if you've got a song you can hum in the shower, in just one easy lesson, you can start actually to read sheet music and play the guitar. You'll be playing beautifully in no time, and the tunes you write can actually be played on other instruments using the government-endorsed Victor Lee Guitar Translator. Victor Lee's amazing offer is online at www.victorleeguitarmethod.com. Learn how to play beautifully the guitar and read music and translate the music you write to be played on other instruments music is the international language and the copyrighted Victor Lee guitar translator instructions are available in most languages spoken around the world. Go now to www.victorleeguitarmethod.com Open yourself to a wonderful world of music www.victorleeguitarmethod.com
2: Are you questioning your future in the year 2008 and what lies ahead for you in matters of family, love, finance, employment and travel? Do you have questions that have been haunting you and now you're seeking guidance and the answer to these questions from those on the other side? If you have said yes, then you need to call Premier Psychics right now. At Premier Psychics, talented, gifted, professional psychics will help you find the answers to the questions that you seek and help you on life's metaphysical journey. Call Premier Psychics now, toll free at 1-866-803-6593 or visit Premier Psychics online at www.premierpsychics.com. Know today what the future holds for you. Once again, call Premier Psychics toll-free at one 803 6593 or visit Premier Psychics online at www.premierpsychics.com where the extra E in Premier
1: stands for excellence. We all have that friend who wakes up early to
4: go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying,
0: This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores, so stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and AutoPay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hi, this
3: is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob
1: McConnell in the X Zone. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell.
2: back, everyone. Uh, Kevin Randall is our very special guest. And, Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight in such a short notice. I sincerely appreciate it.
3: Well, that's no problem.
2: All right, Kevin, we're talking about UFOs. We talked about uh, the UFO over Stephenville, uh, Texas. Um, that we, we talked briefly about the, the, uh, the restricted airspace around President Bush's um, ranch. Now, what would happen if... An aircraft did cross that into the restricted airspace.
3: Well, it would obviously be detected on radar mm-hmm. and it would be intercepted. There are there are areas around the presidential ranch, around the White House. There's also other areas that are restricted fly zones. There's one around uh Area fifty one, for example. Mm-hmm. But critical airspace is that if an aircraft penetrates that airspace, they will be intercepted immediately, if not sooner. And the pilots oftentimes have the uh, ammunition on board to shoot them down. It's part of the Air Force mission. So, they, if if that airspace was penetrated, that those that aircraft would be intercepted immediately.
2: Now, as being being part of the uh, Air National Reserve or the National Guard, did you uh, did you fly intercept missions?
3: No, so I was in the Army uh, National Guard, not the Air Guard. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I understand my career is bizarre because I started out on active duty in the Army. I went into the Army Guard. Then I went to college and got a commission in the Air Force, and right. in the Air Force Reserve. And then I went back into the Army National Guard after 9-11. So <laughs> my career is kind of bizarre in that respect.
2: But well-respected.
3: Well, I appreciate that.
2: Um Do you see any similarity between what happened at Roswell, New Mexico, and you and Don Schmidt have written a a book? I've seen both of you on Discovery Channel. And what is happening in Texas?
3: The difference is, in in Roswell, we had a crash of something. Mm -hmm. Nobody disputes that. It's the interpretation of what that debris really was. In Texas, we've only had sightings. And there may be a piece of videotape to look at UFO investigation. What you want are chains of evidence, meaning meaning that you the, the the witnesses is one chain of evidence, the photographs is a second chain of evidence. Right. If we if we look at some of the other cases, we have multiple chains of evidence. The more chains of evidence we have, the stronger the case happens to be. Uh, you have Leveland, Texas, in 1957, where the craft was seen interacting with the environment, meaning that it. Um, stopped car engines at dim lights. There were any number of reports from the area. At it, it last count, there was like 15 separate reports in the space of an hour, hour and a half around Land, Texas. The Air Force investigation said, now, we could only find three witnesses. In the Air Force investigation, if they didn't interview the witnesses, they don't exist, regardless of what evidence you may have. Mm-hmm. But you have the multiple chains of evidence. You had a number of law enforcement officers who saw it. You had the, air, the object interacting with the environment and you had the object land at near level land, leaving a burned area. So there's a separate chain of evidence. So you have all of this going on, a perfect opportunity to determine what exactly is, is happening, and yet the Air Force was not inclined to investigate much. They sent one NCO down for uh, one day, and he interviewed three people, and he said, well, it was ball lightning, which is just absolute poppycock. So we have some very good cases like that so we can understand what's going on. When we look at what happened in Texas, we have at least two chains of evidence, which would be the eyewitness testimony, and then separately we have the videotape, which may or may not prove out to be a very good piece of evidence. So we've got to look at it in that context. So Roswell is a little bit different because we have the crash of it. We have an obvious cover-up. In Stephenville, we have sightings. And we have a possible cover-up. We also might just have a, a, another example of incompetence by the people who are attempting to explain the thing away.
2: Is it possible, Kevin, that what people saw was actually a top-secret military new prototype craft?
3: I would say no, but only for this reason. When you're testing an aircraft, a typical aircraft, mm-hmm. you don't... Tested over areas where people are going to see it. You've got, and I, and I think that's that's what's going on at Area 51. Actually, is the testing of the next generation of military aircraft because you have a huge area out there, very few people, and you can fly that aircraft all over the place without worrying about people seeing it. But when you start flying over Texas, to get to the area to get to the area to fly it, you've got to cross over an awful lot of territory where people can see it. So, because of that, I would say no. The one theory that has not been offered that surprised me is you've got F-16s chasing lights. Why didn't they say it was a refueling mission? So you've got this big tanker aircraft with all kinds of lights on it so the Mm -hmm. fighters can find it. You have the fighters chasing it so they can hook up with it and and refuel. But I've seen nothing from any of the newspaper accounts that I've read or any of the searches I've made or any of the discussions I've had with people to suggest it was a refueling operation, which means it probably wasn't.
2: Yeah. That's a good point, because I've, I've read several. I don't know how many uh, reports I've read that have come across our Newswire service here. And not one report mentions a refueling. And you're right, that would have been the perfect out.
3: Yeah. And, and, and because of the light configurations and because of the way they're operated, mm-hmm. it would be unusual for people on the ground to see something like that, so they might be confused by it. And you'd have the F-16s in the area anyway, but, but they have not said a word about that.
2: In general, Kevin, how do you think that UFO organizations conduct or conduct their investigations? Should they be more professional? Should they take courses? Should they have some idea on on proper investigative techniques?
3: Absolutely. And, and there are some very good investigators uh, out in the field, people who have training as police officers, people mm-hmm. who have training as uh, in the law and things like that, so they understand the interrogation techniques, and they understand the difference between a leading question and just a general question. They understand how easy it is to inadvertently lead somebody to the conclusion they want want to right. draw, and they and they know the proper way of gathering evidence. They know uh, a lot of things like that. Uh, MUFON does have a field investigator's manual. They do provide some training to their people, so they're at least moving in that direction, and I think. Uh, other private UFO groups are doing the same sort of thing, attempting to become more professional in their investigations. And oftentimes these groups uh, do have the help of police officers or, or uh, uh, lawyers, people who are trained in the interrogation techniques so they understand what they're doing and how to ask the proper questions. But then you also get into the gathering of the evidence and the photographing of the evidence and all of that sort of thing. And it is a very complex thing to do. But if we're going to gather the information, we need to be aware of how to gather it properly so that when that information is uh, presented, whether it's to the news media or the scientific community or even a a group of uh, skeptics, they understand that the information was gathered correctly and that the person gathering the information gathered it all. They didn't gather just that information that supported their theory or their conclusions, but they gathered all of it, including that which may suggest an alternative explanation.
2: In your opinion, what is the what is the most compelling case in ufology to to uh, have been investigated this far that proves to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that UFOs are real?
3: I'm I'm inclined to suggest the Roswell case, but only for one reason, and that was because I was able to talk to Edwin Easley, who was the provost marshal in Roswell back in 1947. Mm -hmm. And the information that I, I got from him and the way he provided that information suggests something extremely unusual to me and suggested suggested it was the extraterrestrial. And then we look at some of the other evidence from, from General Exxon and other military people who are involved in it is, is very interesting. But if you're looking at it from an evidential point of view, I would say you could look at the Washington Nationals, which are the sightings over the nation's capital in 1952, where you had the objects seen on radar, you had people on the ground seeing the lights in the sky, you had airline pilots seeing the lights, and you had attempted intercepts. And some of the intercepts, to quote Dewey Fournay, who was an Air Force officer in one of the radar rooms at the time of one of the intercepts, said it got real hairy. And we have an opportunity or had an opportunity to get information from two of the pilots involved in the intercepts. So you have the multiple chains of evidence in that way, and that's a very compelling group of sightings because you had the object seen on various radars at various locations at the same time, and you had the visual sightings by the pilots in the air or the people on the ground. It's a very compelling case. And third, I would say uh, the Level Land case because we had the object interacting with the environment. We had multiple witnesses in multiple locations unknown to one another, reporting their sightings and the electromagnetic effects on their vehicles Mm -hmm. to the sheriff in Level Land uh, before the media publicized the sightings. So you have some very good cases like that. Photographically, I would say McMinnville because you've got an object seen in the sky. It's photographed. It's clearly no conventional aircraft. It's, It's either a craft from another world or it's a hoax. There is no middle ground there. And the evidence suggests that it's a real object. It is not a hoax.
2: You wrote a book about a history of UFO crashes. Uh, how many UFO crashes have actually occurred on this planet?
3: If you look at the listings that, that people have said, you, you were up to two or 300, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Some of those reports are of single-witness events. My mm-hmm. father told me about this. I saw something Range, so we can pretty well eliminate those. Some of them um, are uh, astronomical phenomena, meteoric in in content. Uh, People saw a meteor that fell to the ground and didn't understand what it was. Right. But if we're looking at it from the point of view of things that were there's very good evidence. There's there's four or five that we can look at. Um, one of them being Roswell, of course. There's the uh, Las Vegas event from 1962, where you have literally hundreds of witnesses all over the United States, uh, western parts of the United States, partic- particularly Utah, uh, Nevada, uh, seeing, seeing the object. It makes a big, huge, looping turn near Reno, and was seen to explode in the sky uh, east of uh, Las Vegas, and you even had the sheriff send out his search and rescue team because they thought it was some kind of an aircraft accident. And of course, that, that never happened. But you also had uh, people in, a, in, in various locations uh, tracking the thing on radar. You had pilots seeing it. You had a lot of people on the ground. Uh, there was the Shag Harbor event that Chris Stiles and Don Ledger investigated up in Canada, which is the subject of any number of UFO documentaries where the thing was seen to fall into the, the ocean and the Canadian Navy responded looking for the thing, and there's even a photograph of the object in the sky before it hits the ground. It, and that's a very compelling case. That may not be a crash, but more of a sort of a water landing, and the thing was submerged for four or five days before, it was, uh, before they lost track of it. So you've got those events that are, I think, very, very compelling. And just recently NASA, I guess, is going to reexamine the Keksberg case from 1965 where something was seen to fall in the woods near Kecksburg, Uh, Pennsylvania, again, literally dozens of witnesses, some very compelling eyewitness testimony suggesting the military took something away, and no real explanation for what fell there. I know that uh, uh, there's been some very good investigation uh, going on. Stan Gordon in Pennsylvania has been looking at this thing for years and years and years. And it's found some very compelling uh, eyewitness testimony and some documentation suggesting something strange happened there. And the military responded.
2: Is it possible that Kecksburg was in something like what is happening today with a spy satellite falling out of the sky and the military retrieved it because it was of a foreign origin?
3: And and that would be one of the missions under Project Moondust, which mm-hmm. is a mission that, the, the again, the Air Force denied they actually had yeah. until... The documents were presented that said moon dust existed. Moon dust was to uh, recover um, returning space debris of foreign manufacture, which, of course, could mean extraterrestrial. The the problem with Kexburg being something like that is there is no record of that. There was some talk about it being the possibility of a Cosmos 96 satellite whose orbit decayed about the time of the Kecksburg sighting, but apparently all the debris had fallen 12 hours before Kecksburg. So so that doesn't seem to be uh, an explanation. But if it had been something like that, certainly the military would have moved in and certainly the military would have recovered the thing and tried, tried to take it out of there. Kevin,
2: please any... stand by, sir. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. My special guest this hour, Kevin Randall. His website, www.kevinrandallatblogspot.com. Kevin with Don Schmidt uh, authored UFO Crash at Roswell and the Truth About the UFO Crash at Roswell. Kevin also wrote the Roswell Encyclopedia. His other books included Project Blue Book Exposed: A History of the UFO Crashes, Scientific Ufology, and the Abduction Enigma. I'll be back on the other side of this break as the exome continues, live and around the world, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on the Talkstar Radio Network.
1: If you currently have a short-term fixed-rate home mortgage, you do need to listen to this. The mortgage industry is rapidly changing, and no one knows that better than your friends in the money business, Prime Pacific Capital. Every day, new guidelines are making it more and more difficult for homeowners to refinance the current mortgage. Don't get caught with the high interest rate and increased payments once that loan automatically adjusts. Interest rates are still low. Call Prime Pacific Capital today and refinance into a long-term, low-rate fixed mortgage. No matter what your credit situation or what state you live in, Prime Pacific Capital will work to secure a new loan for you. Don't count yourself out until you give us a call. A loan specialist is standing by to assist you with your free consultation. Make that call today. 1-866-464-1800. 1-866-464-1800. Call Prime Pacific Capital at one
2: Whether it's the arrival of Planet X in 2012, the Earth's crazy weather cycles, our deadly global warming, Armageddon, UFOs, ETs, terrorism, the critical mass 2008 presidential elections, Dr. Jason Rand talks the talk and walks the walk. Being a twice-nominated Grammy record producer, recording artist, publisher, lecturer, UFO ET researcher and investigator, and best-selling author of The Return of Planet X, Mankind's Ongoing Legacy with a Brown Dwarf Star, Dr. Jason Rand truly does walk the walk and talk the talk. For more information on Dr. Jason Rand or to order The Return of Planet X, visit his website at www.returnofplanet-x.com or call 901-336-9660. And where will you be in the year 2012?
1: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get
4: everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them.
2: Kevin Randall is our special guest, and uh, first of all, Kevin, thanks very much for joining us tonight and uh, helping shed some light on this this, uh, mystery that occurred over Stephenville, Texas on January the 8th. Now, Kevin, maybe you can give our listeners some idea of what they should do, what they should make note of when and if they see a UFO.
3: Well, one of the things they ought to do is, is get a good idea of what time it was, the direction to the to the object, uh, north, south, east, or west. Uh, anything unusual they see in the area. If they can get a, if they think about it, get a um, time check on, on exactly when it happened. And in today's world, with the ubiquitous cell phone with a camera in it, uh, take as many photographs as you can. And in fact, one of the things I always suggest, if if you have enough um, presence of mind to do it, is take a photograph of the object's moon, move 10, 15, 20 feet away and take another photograph of the object. And what you're doing is making sort of a stereoscopic picture, and that might give people an opportunity to triangulate, give an idea of the size of the object and the distance to it so that we can determine exactly how big it it is, how far away it is, and that could give us some very valuable information about what, what the sighting is and might help us to determine exactly what UFOs are.
2: Kevin, in your opinion, do these UFOs pose a threat to mankind on this planet?
3: I would say no, simply because they've been around uh, in the modern era era, since 1947, so it's more than 60 years ago. And if there was any kind of threat posed by them, I think it would have manifested itself long ago, unless they're incredibly long-lived people and they're still doing a reconnaissance before the attack. But I would would say that if there's anybody who's been injured by a UFO, it's probably more the result of of an accidental exposure to some sorts of radiation and that sort of thing than anything malicious on the part of the uh, uh, occupants of the craft.
2: Any speculation on why they're here?
3: I would think that if you've discovered a planet that has a... uh, technological civilization growing on it, you have an opportunity to study the evolution of that civilization. That might be one of the things you're doing. I mean, we have any number of scientists who go out into the world to study all sorts of things, mm-hmm. and that might it might be something as simple as that. They're just uh, studying the uh, evolution of human civilization.
2: Kevin, again, thank you very much for joining us. Always great having you on the show, and I look forward to the next time when you and I meet here in the Exxon.
3: I uh, can't wait. Good night, thank sir. Thank
2: you. Kevin Randall, www.kevinrandall@blogspot.com. You see, he is what I call a ufologist. He has experience. He has knowledge. He He's, he's credible. In the article I did today, I said there are few credible ufologists. In my book, Kevin Randall is on that few side. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour, at six and a half minutes past, we will be joined by Ruth Hoskins. We're going to be talking about dream incubation. And that is on the other side of the news. Now, I also had... Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, gosh. I wanted to share something with you folks tonight. No, I can't find it right now. I will find it over the news at the top of the hour. Uh, Once again, Project Blue Light is up and running, www.projectbluelight.net. And we will be adding stories to it on a regular basis. And if you would like to have your website linked to Project Blue Light and would like us to list your website, simply go to www.projectbluelight.net. And click on the contact uh, button, and we'll be glad to uh, see that your website is marked in our link site. I'll be back on the other side of the news with Ruth Hoskins as the exon continues right here live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, on Talk.
1: We all have that friend who wakes up early
4: to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend...